and welcome to HY Dyslexia Podcast. Uh, today's program is going to be very different to all the other um, podcasts that you've listened to. Um, in fact, I'm really excited. I'm excited to have um, the amazing guest that we've got on our, in, in our podcast today. His name is Jonathan Fint and um, he's a phenomenal, amazing young man, if I can use that. He's got a very incredible story about growing up with dyslexia and how he's actually um, overcome all these barriers to have got to where he is today. I don't want to st- uh, spoil the story for you by telling you too much. So what I want to say, first of all, is I want to introduce um, Johnny in a second to come and tell us a little bit about his journey with dyslexia, where he is today and what, what kind of work is um, moving into to go and do. But before I do that, I understand that some people are new at listening to our podcast and I want to introduce who I am and why I'm doing the job I do. Now, my name is Elizabeth Tetchy. I'm the founder of HY Dyslexia. We're based in London, in Wandsworth, and um, we support dyslexics in three areas, and I call it the three E's, employability, education, and startups for dyslexics. We also support dyslexics with emotional well-being, and this is why this topic, coping with stress during pandemic, is a topic that's really close to my heart. Now, we do things like anxiety, fear, coping with stress, mental health, all sorts of um, conditions that will stop one as a dyslexic or will be a barrier to move on to other things that we want to do. Now, during these unprecedented times, we all know that we're all on edge at some point. We're all worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. Today we can go out, tomorrow we can't go out, today we can meet in six, tomorrow we can't. Um, There's a lot of messages out there um, coming from um, our government and we're all a little bit on edge and to be honest with you I can honestly say it's added a little bit of pressure and stress to my life but hey um, I've got the lovely Johnny who's going to share his dyslexia journey with us and he's also um, learned he's he's, um, done a degree in psychology so he can give us tips and coping mechanism of how we can move forward and not worry too much about stress. Johnny welcome to A2I Dyslexia podcast it's a pleasure to have you um, in our podcast today. Please um, give our viewers a, um, who you are, introduce yourself, what you do, and why you're passionate to make a change in the dyslexia world, one, and also people's well-being. Thank you very much, and uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invite, um, and it's lovely um, to be able to share my story with the viewers and yourself. So I'll give you a little bit of background. Um, I always say I've got three coming out stories, one for being gay, one for being dyslexic, and one for being dyspraxic. So I'm happy to share them with you all today. Um, My story is is quite um, interesting because I would say it starts when I was in reception and I used to write my name as O instead of Jonathan or Johnny. I would just write O on the paper. And my primary school teacher just said, oh, I just think he he likes signing his work off with the letter O. Not the fact that I just didn't want to write Jonathan or couldn't really like, you know, process it in my young dyslexic head. Um, And then I kind of went through school just, you know, undetected of dyslexia and dyspraxia. And I would always have issues with running out of time, saying the wrong words in pieces of work and just not understanding why. And then I got to university and started my psychology degree and um, a lovely 
learning support tutor there just said kind of straight away, yeah, you're dyslexic with, um, you know, underlying dyspraxia too. And from there, I would say my academic and my just general brain kind of took off and I understood myself and I understood the way I worked and why I worked that way. Um, and I'd say, you know, the biggest thing that I have is resilience. That's the, and that was built up from the undetected dyslexia. And it, it made me get to kind of where I am today. So like you said, I have a degree in psychology. I have a master's in psychology and I'm just about to start my PhD in psychology. So a lot of psychology there. Um, and yeah, by, I'm, I'm so grateful for the, all the experiences that I've had, such as from that first meeting with the learning support tutor, um, who, you know, she's called Emma, who kind of helped me unlock my, my brain and, and how I worked. Um, and just to be able to give that back and hear other people's stories and, and share what, what I find works is, is the biggest way, you know, paying it forward. Oh, thank you so much. What a beautiful um, way to describe yourself or how you've um, really sort of managed um, with dyslexia. Now, I'm just going to take you back a little bit from maybe not so much primary, but when you're in secondary school, or maybe that we might have people listening who are from the LGBT community, um, who may be gay and also battling with dyslexia, and just don't know how to go about that. Now, I know that you've told a little bit of a story about growing up and how difficult that would have been. Um, so just share a little bit of that with, with, with us and with our listeners, and hopefully somebody can take away something um, that you might share with us today. Yeah. Yeah, no. So um, my high school story, um, I remember the kind of the first time that I thought, you know, something's a bit different is when I got moved down in English. Um, I was in the top set and I got moved down two sets to the work five sets so I got moved down from set one to set three but none of my other subjects they all stayed the same and my my teacher just kind of said oh your writings it, it, it doesn't fit it, it doesn't fit with the class and and I remember thinking well I've just done this amazing piece of work and I was heartbroken because to me that was such an amazing you know piece of work that I'd done and um I just I didn't understand why I'd been moved down and then from that point I kind of everything that I would write, I'd always have this voice in my head of, oh, you're not good enough, you got moved down. And um, there's just obviously something wrong with your writing because there's no explanation, people don't like your writing. And then I would translate that to people don't like me. Um, and then I would say the biggest thing that helped me with that was I did some expressive subjects. So I did um, drama and music and there was no writing involved in that or not much anyway and in them subjects I would just prosper and kind of fly and they were they were time out for me to be able to you know know my self-worth and, and be able to validate how I felt and um, but like I said there was always that voice at the back of my head you're not good enough your writing's not good enough and then I get to the puberty stages of you know say 14 15 and I start to realize that my sexuality is different and that was another oh, you're different. What's wrong with you? You know, and, and again, the voice in my head, you know, you're not good enough. You don't fit in. And that, that, that pushed it down even more. And I was, I was kind of battling these two things, the dyslexia, the dyspraxia. And um, well, they were one thing. And then the, my, me being gay and my sexuality and all them things together um, really did. It, it was a huge challenge uh, who I was and my self-worth and I and I think from that moment that's when I started to think okay it's the people who surround me that will help me and I need to now 
you know, make sure that the people who are around me reflect what, what I want in life and, and they, they, they bring me up because when you're so, when you're punching yourself all the time mentally and, and putting yourself down all the time, sometimes you, you need to surround yourself with the army who's going to see the true reflection in you because you've been, you've been so oppressed by the system. You've been oppressed by the education system who's told you your work's not good enough as a dyslexic. And then in society, gay people have been oppressed, you know, throughout history. So you need then people around you to be able to love you and show you that worth that you then show yourself. So that was my story in high school, I would say. It was, I would say the people around me and my personality were the reason why I, you know, I didn't just survive. I thrived in the end because mm. I got some amazing grades. While I'm, they might have been even better if I'd have had my diagnosis of dyslexia, who's to say? But it was the resilience in my personality and the people who I, you know, that army that I built around me, some amazing friends who helped me um, put aside that wow. word that was obviously in. Not that, is, that is so amazing, honestly. Do you know what I could sit here all day listening to, Johnny? I'm like really <laughs> sort of so interested in everything you're saying at the moment. Um, and I guess for me growing up, what I can say is being black, being a woman and mm -hmm. and um having dyslexia so that you know in a workplace for me was a bit of a challenge um, um to be able to cope with all the other pressures as well as you yeah. know um having this condition um sometimes my managers didn't understand me and they looked at it as i was just making it all up you know and if you had somebody who's for example was racist for whatever reason would then come up with something like, you know, whatever word that we use at the time. So it has been really challenging. I 100% know what you've been through. Mm -hmm. And I think this is when, you know, when I in invited you to come on the show, I just thought it was going to be a really interesting topic because um, I resonate with your story, is, mm -hmm. is what I want to say. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to dive straight into the question, um, Johnny, because there's lots to talk about. Um, now, obviously explaining your, or go, telling us about your background and, education and everything that you went through you obviously understand what stress is about you know which yeah. is why it's such an important topic that we've chosen for you to talk about so i'm um, as a psychologist and coming with your background of being um, um, studying psychology how can we best manage our stress during this covid19 from a from a dyslexic point of view how do we manage that so i would say the first and most important thing to me is just absolute disclosure because when we're sat behind our screens, you know, others can't see that we're struggling or they can't read our body language. And I think as human beings, we, we, re we often rely on people. Oh, they'll know how I'm feeling because they'll see I'm struggling. They'll physically see that I'm upset. Um, and even in real life, that doesn't happen because people are busy and they're getting on with their own things. So they're not necessarily looking at how you feel or looking at how, you know, how your face looks today. Does it look sad? Do you look stressed? People get wrapped up in their, in their own lives, understandably, because everyone has so many different things going on. But I think that is even at a higher level when we're sat behind screens. We don't get to see each other's body. We get to see a little picture in that little moment of the day. So the people that you're working with around you aren't going to possibly know that you're struggling with one, dyslexia, or two, stress. Um, so I would say, yeah, absolute disclosure. And also, don't be afraid to disclose again. You know, like I said, people forget. And especially during these really hard times when people are are working, they're adapting to their own pattern, they might not necessarily remember that you struggle with dyslexia or that stress and dyslexia are working together. So yeah, I would say disclose and disclose to anyone, you know, your friends, 
your colleagues, your manager, just so they are aware. And then often I find that when you disclose and when you educate people on your dyslexia, you educate yourself because you find how people react and you, and you, you kind of learn the best way to do it. So that's my first point. Um, mm -hmm. And my second point, I would say, when we get stressed, we often compare ourselves to other people. So we see how they're working and you see somebody else getting something done, which makes you even more stressed. Um, or you see them appearing to get loads done, maybe on emails or et cetera. Um, and, you know, you have to realize that we're all different, regardless of dyslexia or not. We all have different strengths. And if you acknowledge your dyslexia and you don't compare yourself to other people, you'll find your strengths, which will help you stress. Um, and I think it's really, it, it, it becomes even easier to compare yourself to other people when we're in a virus, uh, that's, you know, when we're in the pandemic, this huge virus is spreading around the world. And we're thinking, oh, well, well, there's so much suffering going on. You know, people, people, people are literally dying and it's easy to compare yourself and think, well, my dyslexia doesn't necessarily, it doesn't need support right now. So I think it's, it applies in all sorts of conditions. While we're in a horrible phase in the world, that doesn't mean that dyslexia is gone. It doesn't mean that your needs need to be ignored. So disclose it. Don't compare yourself to all the other suffering that's going on and, and acknowledge what you need in that moment, which can help, you know, take the stress off. Of course. And of course, Johnny, you've lost close friends um, or family. I'm not too sure during this COVID-19. Yep. And obviously you were doing your master's at the time. Yep. Um, how have you managed during these difficult times? Yeah. So reflecting back now, I can honestly, I, I would usually just say, I don't know how I managed, but I can break it down because, you know, it, it was terrible. It was, um, I lost three grandparents from March to June which were essentially the peak of the pandemic um, and, you know, and didn't get to say goodbye. The funerals were under COVID restrictions, a very weird and surreal time for anybody, um, you know, and especially for people who are grieving. Um, and like, like you said, I was doing my dissertation. I was just, uh, I was doing my master's and I was just about to start my dissertation. And I really kind of sat there and thought, um, wow, how on earth am I going to do this? How am, how am I going to now grieve for three grandparents, support my family, navigate grief in COVID and, and, and how I should feel, and then also produce a piece of work for other people to mark and it's going to you know, reflect my ability. Um, and I remember thinking and, and sitting there kind of, and it got worse and worse. So in March when my grandma died, I thought, how am I going to do this? Then in May, when my granddad died, I thought, wow, really, how am I going to do this? And then in June, when my second grandmother died, I thought, Johnny, how are you going to do this? And I think it relates back to my point that it's the people around you um, who can really help you. So, you know, I made sure that my friends knew how I felt. My boyfriend knew how I felt. My teachers knew how I felt. My coach knew how I felt. My therapist knew how I felt. And, and obviously not everybody has the access to therapy and has the access to coaches. So, you know, first and foremost, I will always go to my friends. And I hopefully that's something we can always really all relate to. Um, and, it, and it takes that village and that army around you. And then second of all, I think what I stopped doing was comparing myself to other people. Um, because it's so easy to do. It's so easy, especially now we're working behind screens. We can see people's progress. I saw my other the other people on my course, you know, putting all, all these posts up about how well they were doing. And I just thought, Johnny, accept what's happened to you. And, it, and the running theme is with dyslexia, I accepted what 
And what, you know, I accepted that I'm dyslexic. And I find the good in it. I accept that I'm gay and I accept myself and I find the good in it. And, I, and, I, and as horrible and as terrible as them, as that grief was, I, I really do think that I've, I've, you know, I've experienced so much that now the good in that is, is sharing my message. And I accepted what had happened. And when I accepted what had happened, which was, you know, that's the whole process of grief, but not just accepting what had happened, but accepting that I can't change that. And therefore the way I work is going to be, it's going, it's going to be the way it is. And I'm not going to compare myself to how other students are working. Um, so, and I, I needed to prioritize how I felt, not how other people felt. So I disclosed to my teachers, to my friends, I didn't compare myself and I just accepted how I felt and then I could navigate how I felt. Um, but yeah, and I, and I still, I, you know, it's still t- tough today because all that grief and, and the stress of the pandemic, it, it's still, the side effects are still coming now. Absolutely, yeah. And wow. Then, and I mean, you mentioned something really important there. Counselling, friends, support network is really important. Um, and I think that's something, therapy something that not many people go for. Um, earlier on in one of our podcasts, we were talking about self-care and relaxation. And the second power of it was frustration and anger. And um, I just want to go back to having the podcast with Anna, who was talking about self. You know, you've got to take care of your well-being. Um, and I'm sure that people that are listening may have gone through some kind of grief or trauma or anything like that. And I think it's brilliant that you're able to share that. And I'm extremely sorry for the loss of your grandparents. And um, thank you so much for coming on them on the show. I'm trying to hold myself together, Johnny. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> and you're right. Yeah. <laughs> you're right with the self because it's kind of like, why you can have people around you and you can have that team of friends and family. If you don't look after yourself, it's going to be really hard for them to be able to look after you. Um, so yeah, I, and I, and things like exercise, I would say a medication for my stress and for my dyslexia. And that's not just exercise to say, go out running. It's things like muscle relaxation, you know, meditation, bits of yoga, um, YouTube, a seven minute YouTube video that does progressive muscle relaxation with me that kind of, I feel like presses reset on my brain and little things like that. And, and, and you're so right. It's about the self first before mm. we can allow friends, etc., to help us and support us. Oh, thank you so much for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I was going to talk about support, but you've already covered that. Um, so I think just before, you know, we, we finished it, the, the podcast, you, um, spoke about working remotely, um, and how we just got this screen in front of us and, to be honest, um, I think Anna in our previous um, podcast explained it really well. If it's one email that you've done or two or three emails for today and you feel you can't do it anymore, I think one of the things she said is you stop, you bake a cake, you make yourself a beautiful piece of salad and you eat it all. You know, she, she, she was basically saying, you've got to do something jolly to make your food as well. Um, what advice would you give to someone working remotely and feeling like they're pulling their hair out at the moment and stress is just so overwhelming for them. Yeah, so I definitely agree with what Anna said. Take time away from the screen because especially, you know, we're, all we're really doing essentially is just looking at words all day. Even when we're on a call, I can see words on the screen right now. I can see your name. I can see the word Zoom. And as dyslexic, when we're constantly processing all them words, our, our mind is always tacked in on that. Um, 
on that on on that use. It's 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 always using that resource as such. So um, I would say you have to take time away from the screen. And if that's bake a cake, if that's go out on a walk, if that's go out on a run, or if that is just sit there and do absolutely nothing but breathe, that's okay because we can't be looking at screens all the day, dyslexic or not. But when we are looking at screens with dyslexia, it's going to really turn our world upside down because that that's not what we used to. I, I always think, well, I do think this anyway, um, which is the same thing, but I always think, and I, I hear it from anecdotal evidence from other people that as dyslexics we're social creatures and we really capitalize on that social experience and connection. We don't have that anymore. So we don't have that lunchtime with colleagues or that, you know, interaction with friendly people in the street because everybody's a bit more uptight. So, so that's gone now for now. And it's not, it's not there to help us as dyslexics. So even though a, a Zoom call with friends, you know, it might alleviate it a bit. It's no, it's not a replacement for that. It's not a replacement for the social connection. But I, I think, and from the anecdotal evidence, really, really helps dyslexic express themselves. A screen, on the other hand, doesn't really help dyslexic express themselves in communication. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Zoom calls, etc. So yeah, do take that break. Um, and like I, I, I say, I have you know a lot of anecdotal evidence for the emotional intelligence and social intelligence that dyslexics have. And we need them social breaks um, in our life. And yep, I'm going to say it again, but exercise absolutely to deal with stress. Um, and like I said, that can be progressive muscle relaxation, etc. Um, and working remotely, I think it's it's really important that we acknowledge and we rethink our workload constantly, because I think every single person has just been kind of their workload's been thrown upside down and we're not necessarily regulating it and monitoring how we would do when we're sat together, when we're collectively sat as human beings. We're not making realistic boundaries because the world isn't realistic right now. It's crazy. So, and as dyslexics, if we don't, you know, keep an eye on our workload all the time, then things aren't going to really go well for us. Work, rechecking your workload is part of self-care. And that means being kind to yourself. If you look at your workload and you think, no, that's a no, I'm not going to do it. It's not because you necessarily can't do it or you don't have the you know, skill or ability to do it. It's because you're looking after yourself, which is a much better skill. And it's a much more respected skill. Wonderful. Johnny, I can't thank you enough for coming on the A2I Dyslexia podcast um, this evening. Um, thank you so, so much for the information you shared with us. Is there any way that maybe if anybody needs support or help, do you do any private work or um, can anyone contact you? Is there anything we can do to um, help you with your research or anything like that? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So if you, you can follow my Twitter, um, Johnny Flint one um, and I'm always happy to you know reach out um, and speak to people. Um, and I think one of the biggest things I would say is just be proud of every achievement, which is when I'm having conversations with people and on the social media platforms. It's a really big thing. I didn't get to say it just then. But um, when, when during COVID, we're not necessarily celebrating the good things and the achievements that we're making, even the small things that if you were in the office with people or if you were sat with friends, you kind of say, well done, that's great. So um, I think, you know, a good thing on social media is that we're able to do that. So um, that's one thing on reach out that would definitely, you know, I'm recognizing people's achievements um, 
is a really important thing to me. So um, if people want to look at my Twitter and things like that, it's full of stuff like that. And in terms of my research, definitely. Um, there are so many things that I have planned um, to make sure that it's inclusive of learning difficulties. And I like to say learning differences, people who are different and including them and seeing the amazing creative things that we can um, like create together. Awesome. So you're doing your PhD in something that's very unusual, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's, a, it's intergenerational research. And um, if anyone ever watched that program, which was, you know, um, kind of children and, and young infants buddying up with older adults, it was quite a popular show um, to help dementia care. That's, you know, very, um, has a lot of similar um, mirroring things that my research is doing. Um, we're essentially, which, but it isn't, it isn't commonly practiced and it is, which we would love it to be, but it's pairing the two and fusing the two ends of the lifespan together, babies and infants and older people, um, and especially older adults with dementia. So the main focus is dementia care, but we're also looking at the benefits. So how can fusing these two ends of the lifespan to create programs like singing programs, working programs, you know, all sorts of fun life programs that they can do together. And how can it help both of them? Um, how can it help the children and the infants? And that's what I was thinking, children with learning differences who don't want to sit in that traditional classroom, how can it help them to be, you know, in a care home with an adult who's got dementia? And how can we kind of navigate them two worlds to make something really beautiful? Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. So if anybody can support um, Johnny with, with the research, that'd be really amazing. Do reach out. And if you didn't catch Johnny's um, social media handles, we will be able to share that when we share the podcast on all the different podcast platforms and A2I Dyslexia um, social media handles as well. Johnny, thank you very much for coming on A2I Dyslexia podcast. I'd like to take this opportunity to say thank you to Wombardin Foundation for supporting us um, to be able to bring this podcast forward. Uh, if anybody's interested in finding out what other work that A2Y would do, you could visit www.hydyslexia.org.uk. I want to say thank you very much to Salt and Pepper, Yola, for um, producing the podcast. She's doing phenomenal work. If anybody wants to connect with Yola, um, of course, again, we'll share her details later on. Her surname is Pisas. Koski, I think it is. Can't say you quite right, but I'm sure you know it'll be it'll be said properly um, at a later stage. Thank you very much to Salt and Pepper Production. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you, our listeners. We'll be back next week, same time, same place, with a different topic. Thank you, Johnny. Take care. Look after yourself. Thank you. Bye bye for now. The Aspire to Inspire Dyslexia podcast is funded by the Wimbledon Foundation and presented by Elizabeth Tashi. It's produced by Salt and Pepper Productions.